We love what you're doing. We, we love you, we support you, but we just cannot do it on land. Mm. I asked them why. They said, well, we have shoe deals. We have, you know, family to feed. We have another contract too that we try to get. So we just, we cannot do it. This is the Daily Signal podcast for Friday, April 22nd. I'm Virginia Allen. And I'm Doug Blair. That was basketball player and human rights activist Inez Cantor Freedom. While he gained initial attention for speaking out against the genocidal Chinese Communist Party, Freedom has actually been a human rights advocate for nearly a decade, speaking about human rights abuses around the globe. He joins the show to share his story of getting involved in human rights activism, as well as offer advice to those of us who want to make a difference in the world. But before we get to Doug's conversation with Inez Cantor Freedom, let's hit our top news stories of the day. America is upping its military aid to Ukraine. On Thursday, President Biden announced that the U.S. is sending $800 million in military assistance to the Ukrainians in their ongoing war against Russia. Here's Biden via Reuters. Today, I'm announcing another $800 million to further augment Ukraine's ability to fight in the east in the Donbass region. This package includes heavy artillery weapons, dozens of howitzers, and 144,000 rounds of ammunition to go with those howitzers. It also includes more tactical drones. Additionally, the president announced a new program aimed at expediting Ukrainian refugees into the U.S. called Unite for Ukraine. We've already welcomed tens of thousands of Ukrainians to the United States. And today, I'm announcing a program, Unite for Ukraine, a new program to enable Ukrainians seeking refuge to come directly from Europe to the United States. This new humanitarian parole program will complement the existing legal pathways available to Ukrainians, including immigrant visas and refugee processing. Finally, Biden announced that all Russian-affiliated ships will be banned from U.S. ports. Today, I'm announcing that the United States will ban Russian-affiliated ships from our ports, as they did in Europe. That means no ship, no ship that sails under the Russian flag or that is owned or operated by a Russian interest will be allowed to dock in a United States port or access our shores. None. A group of Republican lawmakers are asking the Biden administration to protect the rights of women and girls, particularly in the area of sports. In January 2021, President Biden signed an executive order interpreting Title IX to include gender identity. The executive order specifically mentions access to sports teams, locker rooms, and bathrooms, meaning men who identify as women can participate on girls' sports teams, change in women's locker rooms, and use women's bathrooms. But Oklahoma Republican Representative Mark Wayne Mullen is petitioning the Biden administration to reconsider including gender identity in Title IX. Title IX was originally passed in the 1970s to protect women from discrimination on the basis of sex, specifically in the area of education programs. But Mullen says that redefining Title IX to include gender identity will harm women and girls, specifically in the realm of sports. Mullen and 21 other Republican lawmakers sent a letter on Thursday to the Department of Education Secretary Miguel Cardona, asking him to protect women's sports. 
In the letter, Mullen says that changing the definition of Title IX to include gender identity will erase 50 years of history and progress. He added that since Title IX was introduced, there has been a significant increase in the number of women who participate in sports and go on to pursue them at a collegiate level. It's a shame the president's leftist agenda is willing to compromise this. As a dad of three daughters, the congressman says that this issue is personal. Elon Musk is mulling a bid to buy Twitter and says he has the funds to do it. In a filing with the Securities and Exchange Commission, Musk announced that he has $46.5 billion lined up to buy the company outright. Additionally, Musk suggested he might seek to buy stock directly from shareholders, as it appears unlikely that members of the Twitter board of directors are going to be willing to part with their shares. The Tesla CEO said that $25 billion of the $46.5 billion will come in the form of debt from banks like Morgan Stanley, Bank of America, and Barclays. The other $21.5 billion will be provided in private equity by Musk himself. A Twitter spokesperson Thursday confirmed that the company was considering the offer. Though experts are skeptical, the board will accept the proposal. The spokesperson said, As previously announced and communicated to Mr. Musk directly, the board is committed to conducting a careful, comprehensive, and deliberate review to determine the course of action that it believes is in the best interest of the company and all Twitter stockholders. Now stay tuned for my conversation with Inez Cantor-Freedom as we discuss his story of getting involved in human rights activism. I'm Zach Smith. And I'm Giancarlo Canaparo. And if you want to understand what's happening at the Supreme Court, be sure to check out SCOTUS 101, a Heritage Foundation podcast. We take a look at the cases, the personalities, and the gossip at the highest court in the land. Be sure to subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever else you find your podcasts. It's SCOTUS 101. My guest today is Inez Cantor Freedom, a professional basketball player and human rights activist. Mr. Freedom, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Absolutely. You have a fascinating story of your time growing up in Turkey and then moving from Turkey to America as an immigrant. Would you be able to go a little bit into your background for our listeners? Of course. I actually born in Switzerland. I didn't born in uh, Turkey. Um, you know, I because of my uh, my dad was doing his master there, and then I moved back to Turkey when I was nine months, and then I grew up into uh, Turkey. And I started playing basketball there, actually. And then, unfortunately, you know, you, you have to pick either education or basketball in Turkey, you know. And then my dad wanted me to do the ball. So that's why I came here in the United States. I was back, uh, back in, you know, 2009. I was 17 years old. Went to prep school here. Went to college in Kentucky. Then I got drafted in, uh, you know, 2011 by Utah Jets. Nice. Recently, you've become very famous for vocally criticizing the Chinese Communist Party and a lot of their human rights abuses there. But you actually have also had human rights abuse uh, activism in Turkey as well. Would you be able to talk about how you got into this type of activism? Of course. You know, I remember, you know, my first two years in a league, all I cared about was, you know, just playing basketball, having fun with my teammates and stuff. And uh, there was a corruption scandal happened in Turkey back in 2013. And President Erdogan and his family was involved in it. And that was like the first time I actually like put a very simple tweet out there. And because he was going around and putting innocent people in jail, you know, police, prosecutors, judges, and, and some other innocent people. And um, because of the NBA platform, it became a conversation. 
And I was like, even one simple tweet can affect this much from now on, I'm going to start, you know, paying attention about what's going on in my country. So I started to study about, you know, the relationship between America and Turkey and the Middle East and the things that are happening in Turkey. And then the more I spoke, the more, you know, big platforms started to give me, uh, you know, uh, a huge uh, platform. So, you know, unfortunately, the things that I talk about affected me and my family, you know, my uh, my dad was a genetic professor. He got fired from his job. My sister went to medical school for six years. She still cannot find a job. Mm. And my little little brother uh, was playing basketball. He got kicked out in every team because of the same last name. You know, they were getting affected so much they had to put a statement out there and said, you know, we are disowning us. Oh wow! You know, Turkish. You know, Turkish government didn't believe that. They sent police to my house in Turkey and they took every electronics away, phones, computers, laptops, because they wanted to see if I am still in contact with my family or not, which I wasn't. And they still took my dad in jail for a while. But, you know, we put so much pressure from here in America to Turkey, they had to let him go. You know, then after that, they revoked my passport, put my name on Interpol list and stuff. And, uh, you know, this just passed... Uh, Probably like two weeks ago, that was the first time that I left the uh, United States and went to uh, Europe because you know, I couldn't. My name was on Interpolis and I didn't have any better passport. Mm. So, How is your family doing now? I mean, are they okay? They're, yeah, they're still back in Turkey. The last time I saw my family was back in 2015. Unfortunately, they're not really allowed to come or uh, go anywhere outside to Turkey because they, the Turkish government took their passport away. So they're not really allowed to travel anywhere, but but other than that, you know, it just we've been trying to bring him over here for years and years. So I mean, uh, we're just waiting that hope that will happen. As I mentioned earlier, you recently became famous for talking about Chinese Communist Party and the Chinese government's uh, human rights abuses. So it sounds like after you talked about Turkey, you continued to talk about these human rights abuses going on around the world in other places. What was that like to, to have experienced that from the Turkish side and then to continue talking about that? You know, because the human rights abuses are happening not just in Turkey, but all over the world. I mean, the biggest one is happening right now is in China. It's a very, how I get into this very actually a crazy story. I was doing a basketball camp in New York for, you know, for little kids and basketball camp was amazing. Right, we had so much fun, and after the basketball camp, I was sitting on a chair and signing autographs and taking pictures with the kids. And I took a picture with this kid, and while I was taking a picture, his parents called me out in front of everybody. There was media there, there was people, parents, kids, everybody. And he told me, how can you call yourself a human rights activist when your Muslim brothers and sisters are getting torture and rape every day in concentration camps in China. I was shocked. I didn't know what to say. You know, I turned around and I told, I told my parents, like, I promise I'm going to get back to you, right? And then that day I canceled everything I had. I went back to my hotel. I started to study about what people over there are going through. And I, you know, I studied the Uyghurs. And then I, you know, study about what's happening in Tibet. I already knew about Hong Kong because two years ago when, you know, the NBA GM uh, tweeted about Hong Kong, it became a huge conversation in, in NBA. 
And then I already knew about Taiwan because I'm, I always wanted to go there. Mm. And so I was like, I mean, obviously you can find every kind of news on internet, fake news, not fake news, this and that. So I wanted to actually hear about what's going on over there from first hand. So I called my manager and I told him, I was like, I want to have a sit down conversation with someone you know, who experienced in concentration camps. And he was very shocked actually. He's like, what are you talking about? He's like, yep, I want to talk, I want to, talk to uh, someone. And so we set up this uh, meeting and obviously I'm, I don't know who listens, who listens to this podcast. I'm sure there are so many kids that are watching, so I don't want to get into too much details, but the things that she told me that what she went through over there was just, I just, I was speechless and numb. You know, she told me about the gang rape, she told me about the tortures, and she told me about how many people actually are dying in those concentration camps, and Chinese government trying to hide it from the, from the whole world. And I was like, I don't care how much money or business involved. If you are carrying a heart, you have to stand up for those innocent people, and you have to expose all this human rights abuse that are happening in, uh, in China. So and then I decided to talk, and uh, became... A big mess or something. <laughs> now, yeah, th- mentioning that, not everybody took your activism in a mm. positive light. How has your activism impacted your career? Uh, I wish I could say in a really good way because obviously I'm, about, I'm an NBA player. Uh, and, you know, it's all I, all I wished... And all, all I was praying was, I was like, please, God, send me one more player to just, that can stand right next to me. Mm-hmm. You know, unfortunately, whenever I had a conversation with any of my teammates or someone from the NBA, or, you know, not just an NBA, but some other organizations, you know, they told me one thing. They said, listen, I think what you're doing is so amazing. We love what you're doing. We, we love you. We support you. But we just cannot do it out loud. Mm-hmm. I asked them why. They said, well, we have shoe deals. We have you know, family to feed, we have another contract to, that we try to get. So we just, we cannot do it. Man, I asked him one question, that if your, one of your family members was in those concentration camps getting tortured and raped, would you still pick money over morals? You know, mm-hmm. they couldn't answer. And it was right before the uh, Winter Olympics too. So I did try to reach out many Olympians, but unfortunately, not all answer. Yeah. You've mentioned a couple of times that you think the NBA and certain other organizations have silenced you and sort of pushed you to the side because of your activism. I have a quote here that you gave to the National Herald, which is a Greek uh, newspaper. It says, the NBA says that the league stands by our side when it comes to freedom of speech. I don't believe it. They stand on our side as long as what we say helps the league's pockets. Otherwise, they'll do whatever they can to finish you. Do you think that American companies like the NBA and some other businesses that continue to do business with governments like the Chinese government uh, have a problem with kowtowing to these types of authoritarian world leaders and, and governments? So the, 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 the statement I give 100% correct, you know, it's a shame how these American companies are bowling down to these dictatorships, like especially the biggest dictatorship, like the one in China, you know. You know, I remember two, it was around two years ago when we all were in NBA bubble, right? Yeah. NBA was all about social justice, all about, you know, you know, Black Lives Matter and, you know, what 
what can we do to just inspire our young generation? They even put some phrases behind our jerseys, some logos on the court and stuff, right? I was like, okay, you know, cool. But then what frustrates me is that two years later this happens and not one person from the NBA or, or player association or from my team or any of the any of my colleagues goes out there and say we support this. Not mm-hmm. one. So the hypocrisy is the what that really frustrates me. You know? Right. So um, I feel like I mean I feel like besides besides WTA, Women Council Association, every organization, every you know, uh, associations or company, first of all, should take a look at what WTA did. That's the second to get look, uh, look at that stuff. And someone needs to hold them accountable. You mentioned that there has been activism in the sports world, like Black Lives Matter. I know Colin Kaepernick kind of comes to mind when I think of activism in the sports world. Do you think that there is a place for activism in sports organizations? I mean, if you're an athlete, you can inspire millions of people out there, especially kids, especially our young generation. I say this every time because of the social media, they follow everything that we do. So it can affect a lot. It can, it can impact so many people out there. And I think, I mean, if you are well-educated enough, if you know what you're uh, uh, talking about, yes, it is important to stand up for the things that you believe in. But if you pick and choose... Right. If you only pick the ones that is not going to affect your pocket, that is the, the line that I'm going to go out there and expose. You know, there are many athletes out there that will only criticize the things that won't affect their pocket or business, you know, or their movies or their shoe deals. So that's why I'm like really uh, frustrated about it. So you see that's more of a distinction between maybe politically advantageous activism versus activism that actually has an impact on the world. Right. Okay. Um, you legally changed your last name to Freedom. This was a big story that you, you had legally done this, that your name wasn't Freedom and you decided to add that to your, to your name. What right. motivated you to do that? I was actually just uh, talking about it like a 10 minutes ago. <laughs> it's a funny story. I tell us that everywhere. I remember first time coming to America back in 2009, I was going to prep school and one of my teammates actually criticized the president and I was very afraid for him because I was like, I thought he was going to be thrown in jail the next day because where I'm coming from, if you are criticizing the government, if you are saying anything against the president, you are the enemy of the state. Mm. I give this example a lot because it's very uh, crazy. My manager's wife's dad liked one of my posts on Twitter and he was thrown in jail for 13 days. Wow. That is, uh, that is, I, I, I just couldn't believe it when he that, uh, told me about it. But uh, that, that, my t- that teammate who criticized the president actually explained to me about what freedom is all, all about. Speech, religion, expression of press. I really didn't understand it because I did not grow up having any of those. And the more I meet with people, the more I sit down and have a conversation with like the true, real uh, Americans, you know, I was like, wow, you know, we are very blessed to be in a country where there are rules and laws and checks and uh, balances. You know, there are tons of countries out there that you are, uh, I mean, if you're a journalist that you write against the government or if you're a media outlet or if you're a newspaper that you write anything against, you know, the, the regime. And the whole your media office will be shut down, and the journalists will be in jail, and it'll be it could get very tough. 
Right. So I just want to, the reason I picked that name because I want everyone to know that how blessed they are. I think that's such a wonderful story. And it really does speak to, I think, a, a notion that's missing from America these days, which is pride and a belief that America is good. What do you think about the type of people who will go on air or TV or on the radio and say things like America is a bigoted country or it's a racist country? What are, what are your thoughts about that? People need to understand, obviously, first of all, America having their own problems too. But at the same time, people need to understand I'm coming from a country, uh, like I said, again, you criticize anything, you'll be thrown in jail the next day. Or there are countries out there like, you know, like China or North Korea or, you know, uh, like Turkey or, you know, Iran or many other countries, Russia, right? That there are no human rights, there are no human rights, no democracy, no freedom, no freedom of speech. Uh, people should feel very lucky and blessed to be in a country like America. And you should feel very blessed because obviously there's democracy, there's freedom, and you love the government, you hate the president, whatever you are, then you can, you know, tell your all your feelings and you can actually put it out there. You know, so people should feel definitely feel very lucky. Mm -hmm. As we begin to wrap up here, I'm curious what your thoughts are. As somebody who has been doing this type of activism for such a long time now, what do you think the most effective way for people who maybe don't have a platform as big as yours, who aren't NBA uh, athletes, how is their, how do, how should they engage in activism? How is the most effective way for them to do that? I mean, like, I mean, I feel like people always can impact uh, whoever they live around. You know, their family, their classmates, or their you know, the teammates or, or what, like whatever you're doing, you can impact one or two or three people. I mean, don't say it's only one or two per person. I mean, it's, it's important, you know. Um, uh, I, will just, I will just say, you know, don't give up on, you know, don't give up on inspiring anyone. One person is one uh, person. You can't change his whole life. You know, you might not change the whole world, but you might change his world, you know. So I just just be courageous and just go out there and just uh, speak your mind. Absolutely. That was Ines Cantor Freedom, a professional basketball player and human rights activist. Mr. Freedom, I very much appreciate your time. Thank you so much. And that'll do it for today's episode. Thanks so much for listening to the Daily Signal podcast. And be sure to subscribe to the Daily Signal podcast on Google Play, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. And please take a moment to leave us a review and a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. And as always, please be encouraging your friends, your family to take a listen and subscribe. Thanks again for listening. And we're back with you all on Monday. The Daily Signal podcast is brought to you by more than half a million members of the Heritage Foundation. The executive producers are Rob Bluey and Kay Trinko. Producers are Virginia Allen and Doug Blair. Sound designed by Lauren Evans, Mark Guiney, and John Pop. For more information, please visit DailySignal.com.